right, you guys, welcome back. Episode 88. It's all brought to you by your good friends. Yeah, Ron and Don are licensed brokers at Windermere. Now more than ever, if you need to sit down, we do something called a Ron and Don sit down. Let's sit down this week. Uh, let's jump on a Zoom call together and let's kind of talk through what you're feeling, what you're facing, and what you're going through uh, now. So we'd love to talk to you. You can reach out to Ron, ron at windermere.com or Don O'Neill at windermere.com. And we'll make sure you still get a Ron and Don sit-down camp mug uh, when it's all said and done. Ron, talk about this a, a little bit. We haven't talked much about Katrina. We lived there during the storm. We worked uh, in the Gulf South. The, the, my friend Mike was just here a couple months ago. He's an attorney down in the Gulf South. He had lost his restaurant, almost lost his law business. He has spent a lot of time uh, building that back. And now he's married and has an amazing home, an amazing business down there. But it took him a long time uh, to kind of rebuild. He had to let go over 100 people that worked in a restaurant that he owned uh, down in the French Quarter. When you talk to people that were somehow affected by that storm, they don't call it Katrina. They just say, were you there before the storm or were you there after the storm? I think something similar might happen with the virus, especially for kids, right? Because there'll be a lot of kids that don't remember this, but my son at the age of nine, he'll be 10 this week in a couple of days. So happy birthday to before Sunil. Uh, this is going to be something that he remembers. And we, as adults, as teachers, as professors, as mentors, as neighbors, as aunts, as uncles, whatever that is, We have to make sure that as we are standing on the front lines of this pandemic, that we don't forget about these kids that are 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. And they they will have memories of this as they get older. If they feel a lot of fear from us, that is going to be baked into their being. And they will get down the road and experience bouts of depression and PTSD and everything else. I think it's a real opportunity right now. To be honest with our children, as honest we should as we should be with a nine or a ten year old, but also, you know what? Kids need a hero right now, and the hero is probably not going to be something that they see on a football field in the fall because I don't know that there's going to be a football field in the fall. So guess what? Guess who gets to be the hero to their kiddo? Uh, it gets to be you. It's a real opportunity for parents here to really connect with their kids, and we're finding we have to do that now as tutors as teachers, and really as mentors, as moms, dads, and everything else I just mentioned, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that before and after mentality gives people a chance to decide, how how do I want to be different? Because there are so many things you can't control. And if you're a person that likes to control or has a derive to always control everything, this is really, really hard. And I, I, read, uh, I read something and I saw something that really helped me in the last couple of days. Um, and one of them was from just a guy I follow on YouTube where he just has a slogan where he says, I, I'm going to have no zero days, meaning that Don't throw, even a day where you're stuck inside and you can't socially distance, don't throw it away. Like there is something you can do. There is something you could read. There's someone you could talk to uh, that could be a net positive in your life. And then I was reading this morning, I saw a quote from Peter Drucker. He's a business author uh, and he's written a ton of different books on business efficiency and that sort of thing. And he said, a lot of times we think about success in terms of years or months or weeks or the next project or the next decade. He's like, think about it in terms of the next five minutes. 
Like you can control the next five minutes. You can make an attitude change in the next five minutes. Uh, you can do something that is going to be a net positive in the next five minutes. She's so like, don't worry about the next five years. Worry about the next five minutes. And uh, that can be something that you can actually do something about. And I just thought that was really good. Like you can, you can make a choice uh, for what am I going to spend the next five minutes or next uh, an hour on that could really be beneficial. And even with your kids, like giving them a word, a touch, uh, a fun activity, something to do, because uh, you don't know what's going to happen in a month or in a year. But the next five minutes, you, you have control over that. Yeah. I, I have a partner by the name of, of Joe. He's one of my, my real estate partners and just some of the things that I do privately. And it was interesting. He grew up in a family of five kids, uh, a Catholic Irish family. His mom died when he was four. So he doesn't have any uh, memories of her, but he has these incredible memories of uh, his connection uh, with his dad and with his father. And something that they had really embraced in this family was something that Gen George uh, General Patton said uh, during World War II. And Patton wasn't one of these generals that liked to sit back and let the enemy come to them. That's what George Washington did. If you look back in the day, uh, when the colonies were battling England, uh, George Washington, a lot of times, his fifteen or 14,000-man boy army would be going up against 50, 60, 100,000 redcoats. And so what he would do is he would wait, and they would ambush, and he would wait for the battle to come to him, and then, uh, and then just try to figure it out. George, George Patton was not that way. He felt every single day, when you get out of bed, you need to attack, attack, attack. You attack the things that you can control. And a lot of times when we feel so fearful, like a lot of us do right now, uh, once every other day I go into the grocery store and people have their masks on and they are fearful. People are so afraid. You feel that energy from them. And I know you guys feel that. And you may feel that in your own family and with your family members. But there are so many things that we still do control before the virus, after the virus, before the 19, after the 19. There's still so many things that you do control. So it's important to get up and do what General Patton did. He said, I never won a war. I never took any kind of ground. I never had victory uh, by sitting back and defending something and waiting for life to happen to me. I used to have a, a youth group with kids, and we called it Happening. And our motto, our mantra was, we are going to go out and happen to our world today and not sit back and let it happen to us. We are going to happen to it. And a lot of times, that means not waiting on government. A lot of times, that means not waiting on bosses. A lot of times, that me means not waiting for that letter to come in the mail from the bank about your mortgage. A lot of times, it means waking up in the, the morning, picking up that phone and saying, you know what? Before I can't pay this mortgage payment, I'm going to get on the line. I'm going to attack, 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 and I'm going to have a conversation, and I'm going to figure it out. Or my kiddo is falling behind in school, and so we're going to get up every day, create a classroom, and we're going to attack, attack, attack in this new normal. And this is what I really want people to do. Focus at this time about taking care of yourself. In my 20 years of teaching fitness classes, the one message that I always shared with all my classes, almost every time, was this question. Are you taking care of yourself? 
so you can take care of others. Because if you are trying to take care of others without taking care of yourself, that is a fool's journey. And you're going to wipe out from that, right? So make sure during the course of your day that you have time baked in for you. And that could mean reading a good book. That could mean creating a new uh, music list that you want to listen to when you're outside, maybe doing some yard work or going for a walk. And this is a time where you can really tune up your life. You got a lot of time to go walking, so why not walk? You decided at one point, maybe you're going to run. So throw in a quarter of a mile or half a mile or a whole mile or whatever that is. But make sure, make sure you're eating right, you're sleeping, that you're getting up at the same time every day, that you're including structure in your life. Take care of yourself so you can take care of others, so you can take care of those kiddos, so you can take care of your neighbors, and so you can be a hero in your community. I'll finish with this. Something that I hate about myself is 15 years ago, when the storm happened in the South, I virtually did nothing to help anybody. I was so scared. It paralyzed me from helping others. I've probably shared some stories over the years that made me look like a hero in that storm, and I was not. I was so afraid. It paralyzed me. I didn't take good care of myself, and I couldn't take good care of others, and my son wasn't brought into this world yet. And I told myself for the rest of my days that I would live a life of service, of taking care of myself and my kiddo and my family and the people around me. Never waste a catastrophe. I wasted a catastrophe 15 years ago. I'm not going to waste this one to be a better person, a better dad, a better man, a better friend, a better brother, a better business partner. I'm going to wake up every day and attack, attack, attack. Ron, you got some final thoughts here on episode uh, number 88. And I'm really proud of you because I, I see the structure in your life. I see you waking up every day and attacking. I see you waking up and saying, okay, what do I control? What can I do? How do I better myself, the people around me? And then how do we, how do we walk this thing into the future? Because the future right now is here. The future is here. It is here. It is right now. I just think all of what you said is is uh, really good stuff, and good things don't happen on accident. So if you want a good result out of this thing, as good as it can be, that's going to be because you took it on something on purpose. So if, if you want to get your kid through the school year, you got to do it on purpose. If you want to be healthy as you're going through this, it's going to happen on purpose. If you want your relationships to survive and thrive, it happens on purpose. And so that, that's the thing that I've just been hanging my hat on. It's like, okay, I need to, I need to be the, the change agent here uh, and get the result that I want to go at. After. And so, su- super simple example. I was eating way too much comfort food and drinking way too much booze there for the first week of COVID. And I said, that's not going to do. So, in the past two days, I've walked 10 miles. Uh, and it's a little, it's a little change, but it's been, it's made all the difference. And, uh, you know, taking a shower and putting on pants every day. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. It's, it makes a huge difference. You go, I'm going to get ready for the day. 
and to just to do the things that I can do. So well said what you, what you said and just encourage people that this is, we're going to get through this. Uh, there's going to be, uh, it's going to be different, but it's going to be something that, that we can all handle. And so just make those small changes and do the things that you can do and, and don't be motivated by fear, be motivated by purpose. All right, you guys, uh, Ron, I love that. That is, that is awesome. And that's a great way uh, to end episode 88 uh, today. Don't forget, we are still involved with the Refugee uh, Artist Initiative. It's on our Facebook pages. Find Don O'Neill or Ron Upshaw. If you'd like to give to the GoFundMe, uh, these are seven women, and now we've expanded it. Uh, we have more people sewing, more makers making. Uh, these are incredible women, women from all around the globe that typically are making a lot of kitchenware and pot holders. They're, they're amazing artists. They sell all these things online or, or locally in some grocery stores. Uh, they are behind their sewing machines. As we speak right now, uh, sewing 3,000 masks for the uh, Pierce County Sheriff's Office. Uh, they are creating uh, 10,000 face shields for healthcare workers at Providence and also for the University of Washington, uh, the Valley Medical Center. Uh, so they're, they are hard at work right now. And I can't sew, but what I can do is I can, I can be a part of this and go deliver these masks in a safe fashion, in a safe way. In fact, I'm getting ready. I'm going to jump off this screen right here, and I'm going to head down to the Valley Medical Center in Renton and deliver some more masks today. So we'll be doing that all this week, face shields, masks, gowns, all that. And at some point, manufacturing will catch up with this, but I think we're weeks out. I think we're weeks out from that happening. And so that's where we just have to continue to jump in as, as a community and do what we can do, and uh, that's one of the ways to do it. Uh, I'll end this today with, with this thought. Um, and it's something that Barack Obama uh, said uh, when he became president. And I think it really applies to all of us right now. And it doesn't matter what side of the, the aisle you come from. Uh, I think the, this is some sage advice right here. He said, uh, quote, change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time. We are the ones that we have been waiting for. We are the change that we seek. That's episode 88, the Ron and Don show. You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. And don't you forget that we are the ones that we have been waiting for. And this is our time. And this is our moment. And we will wake up today and tomorrow and the day after that. And we will do what General Patton said. We will attack, attack, attack. And we'll see you for episode 89. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. You guys, what's going on? It's episode 88 of the Ron and Don Podcast. Thank you for stopping by. We really appreciate you guys. He's Ron. I'm Don. And don't forget, uh, everything concerning the show and real estate is up at ronanddon.com. And Ron, right now, we are really encouraging people to join the newsletter. We spend a lot of time on it. We send it out on Wednesday, and we kind of let you know 
what's happening in radio, what's happening in real estate, what's happening in our lives, and what's happening in your life, right? Yeah, you can find it at ronanddon.com. Just uh, click on that radio microphone and logo, and then right at the top, enter your info. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out a duplicate of some of the stuff we did on how to make a mask at home, some of these different resources that you can find. And I think especially now that the CDC has uh, recommended that we wear some sort of cloth mask out and about. And like you, I was super judgy this morning. I've been trying to walk and be a lot more active. I was out this morning uh, walking around Lake Union and down by the new Google buildings. And uh, when I saw people without a mask, I wanted to like audibly go, have you not read the CDC thing? Don talked about it. Like, get your mask on. Yeah. People walking their dogs. I'm like, I don't care if you're walking your dog. You need to get a mask on. And then the non-mask wearers walk right down the middle of the sidewalk. It's like, dude, do you know what six feet is? Six feet is six feet. If you're not going to wear a mask and be walking your dog in the morning, at least like get six feet away. So I'm trying to rein that in a little bit, but my instinct is to go, uh, clearly you have not read the new CDC guidelines. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the mask here in a moment. And in fact, we will be with the Refugee Artists Initiative this week. They are currently making masks for the Pierce County Sheriff's Department. They're making masks for the University of Washington. And they're also making masks for Providence Hospital down at Olympia. And uh, we're going to deliver all those masks. If you're not familiar with that story, we're going to send it out in the newsletter again. So just go to ronadon.com, get signed up. We appreciate the Seattle Times doing a great job just a great job of really highlighting uh, what these women are doing and how they're helping so much in the community, uh, like a lot of you guys are too. So, hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we're beginning to hear things like, hey, look at Washington. Look at the state of Washington. Remember a few weeks ago, we we were called Death Alley and a death zone and nobody wants to come to Seattle. And now they're saying that possibly... Washington and the state of California, that we will be the examples for the rest of the country when it comes to flattening the curve. And even if we haven't flattened it, has it slowed down here in the great state of Washington? We're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to talk about a never, never wasting a catastrophe. But before we talk about that, let's talk about this. Ron, I don't know where you're getting a lot of your information from, but I find uh, each and every day we're Ever I find Bill Gates and uh, Melinda Gates and the people around them, it seems when it comes to talking about this particular pandemic and what the road signs are uh, that we're currently reading, because we're trying to figure out the way we're going to look when we get two, three, four weeks down the road. Here's the thing we don't know, because Italy hasn't traveled far enough. Uh, you look at other places around the globe where this pandemic has really taken off, like in China, and they're not six months or 12 months or 18 months down the road. Typically, when something happens in your life or something happens in your community, you look to another community where something like this has happened and you learn from it. And you know what? Right now, all we have is the numbers that we're getting from China, some of the numbers we're getting from Italy and Spain. But other than that, it seems like world leaders have a really hard time looking down the road. All these, all the world leaders, except for when I listened to Bill Gates. Bill Gates said this, 1918, and I didn't know this. He said it wasn't the first wave of the flu that hit in 1918 that killed people around the globe, killed millions of people. It wasn't the first wave. It was 
the second wave. And as we're talking about the second wave, Bill Gates says the way that we're living right now with social distancing, we have to get used to that for at least the next year and a half, which probably means the next couple years. Because if we don't, and you even think that you're going to head into a stadium in the fall and watch your Seattle Seahawks play football, I got to tell you, Ron, I don't think those games are going to happen. At least they're not going to happen with 60,000 people sitting in the stands because what we've seen happen in China and what we see happening in other parts of the globe, when they have taken their foot off the accelerator when it comes to social distancing or let's get our, our lives back to normal or whatever the new normal is, what we see is this particular virus, bam, it takes off again. So what are your thoughts, 1918, Ron, not the first wave, but the second wave, and what can we learn from that? Well, I mean, the biggest thing when you bring that up to me is just thinking of how different travel is nowadays compared to 1918, like getting on, we're way more connected. Like, that's why I think this pandemic moves so rapidly is because you can get on a plane in Wuhan and get off a plane in in uh, Seattle 12 hours later. So those are the sort of things that they really didn't have uh, to deal with in 1918. As much, you could still travel, but not by air uh, and not as rapidly as we do now. But yeah, the, defining what the new normal is going to be is the question of the day. And is the question, you know, you bring up a sports analogy and you look at the things that have been done canceling of the uh, NCAA tournament. We've ne- that's inconceivable three months ago. Canceling or postponing uh, the Olympics a year. And to your point, a year might not be enough. Inconceivable. You think of the, the hundreds of millions of dollars that Tokyo and Japan invested to pull off the Olympics and then to go, yeah, let's just move it a year. That's a huge huge thing. And and you look at the NBA, the NBA is discussing right now, uh, even things like, is there a way where we get all of the playoff teams and we go to Billings, Montana, or some town that's just not affected by COVID very much, and we do all of the playoffs without traveling, where we make it a television show and not a uh, an in-person fan event? They're talking about that. Can you imagine where you get the Los Angeles Lakers and Uh, The Golden State Warriors and, you know, the New York uh, Knickerbockers. I don't even know who the teams are in the East. uh, The Boston Celtics. Then you fly them all to the same town so they don't have to travel. And then you just have the games in a gym. Like, that's what they're discussing right now uh, in the NBA. Major League Baseball? Forget about it. Forget about Major League Baseball as we know it. And, like, I saw some tweets this week where it's like, shouldn't I be obsessing over – the, the how badly the Mariners are doing right now, normally, uh, but we just don't have that mechanism anymore. So I think like that is the, the question on everybody's mind is how do we do this? Or how do we live a life? Uh, if you're in a white-collar job where you just had a lot of meetings anyway, maybe you can do it by Zoom. But if you were in a blue-collar job where you were actually manufacturing someone or a food service job where you are hands-on day in and day out, that is a very different prospect right now than it was 30, 60, 90 days ago. Yeah, also, I think it's really interesting. Those are all great points uh, that you just made, Ron, and I concur with that. Uh, Bill Gates has also come out and said, and this doesn't mean he's he's necessarily partnering with any government, because as soon as you start partnering with government, 
then they take control, they slow things down, and sometimes government's supposed to do that. Government is supposed to, to slow things down. In this particular case, he says immediately he is going to start spending billions of dollars to build seven factories. Those seven factories are being built now. And what they will do in these seven factories is they will produce the vaccine. What he said is we don't have one particular vaccine dialed in yet, but by the time we have that vaccine dialed in, if we wait to build the factory then for a worldwide vaccine, he said it will be too late and thousands of more people uh, will have died. So I think it's really interesting that he's going to build seven factories, knowing, Ron, that five of those factories he'll probably never even use. You talk about somebody that is really spending time, looking 12 months, 18 months, two years, five years, 100 years down the road. Um, Who would have ever thought that it would be Bill Gates that would be at the front of this pandemic, that would be leading with knowledge and insight and he is very, very calm when he talks about these things. Uh, and it's also very interesting that he is not surprised by this pandemic at all because he said back in 2015 that this would happen uh, at the rate it's happening. It's interesting. It seems like maybe in Washington State uh, we slowed it down a little bit. Let's come back, talk about that. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, you guys, we are live from the Les Schwab Studios. Welcome back to episode 88 of the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, there are a lot of people right now that have questions about real estate, right? It is one of life's biggest transactions. We've been hearing from a lot of you. And even though right now we can't do a Ron and Don sit down, uh, we want to make sure that we continue doing our social distancing we can do what we've been doing with lots of our clients, and we can jump on. I can jump on my screen at my house in Queen Anne. Ron's on South Lake Union, wherever you're at. We can jump into a Zoom meeting. We can sit down. We can pour a cup of coffee. We can still have that sit down, but we'll do it with social distancing in mind. So if you're at a point right now where maybe you're scared, maybe you're fearful, uh, you feel like the sky is falling and it's falling in on you, reach out to us. doesn't matter whether you're buying, selling, investing, or you're just dealing with some fear right now. Reach out to Ron, Ron at Windermere.com and Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Ron, let's talk about Washington State. Uh, uh, early on, in fact, I got on the phone three weeks ago with my mom's friend, Sandy. And Sandy, I shared the story a little bit, was in an RV with her husband, Doug. And they are lifelong friends of my mother, who's in her 70s now. We were having a conversation. They were down in New Mexico. And Sandy got on the phone and she said, hey, what is it like living in the death zone? I said, the death zone? She goes, yeah, I just saw pictures in the Seattle Times online, and it looks like everybody in the state of Washington is dying. Uh, There is nobody on the streets of Seattle. And in her mind, they were going to get in their RV, and they were going to escape to the south, which is what they did. They are currently in Nashville. Three weeks ago, Nashville didn't have to worry about what's happening right now. Nashville, along with New Orleans, along with Detroit, along with Chicago, along with New Jersey, along with New York, have now all become hotspots for this particular virus. And what people are saying is look at Washington State, 
Look at what Gavin Newsom is doing in California. Something seems to be happening there that is very positive. And Ron, some people feel like we're beginning to flatten the curve here in Washington State. What say you? Well, I mean, the data seems to suggest that. And uh, I'm, I'm referring to, of course, how they measure this. And they measure it by positive tests and then hospitalization. So, like, those are the two biggest things. When it first starts, it's, it's um, not – it's difficult to get a, uh, your arms around it because the amount of tests go up exponentially. So the amount of positives skyrocket all of a sudden. You're like, oh, my God, that's because of the testing. Uh, you know, they, they didn't have any tests, and then they start the test. So that thing goes up. It alarms a lot of people that don't understand what's going on. But it's the hospitalizations, I think, that's a, that's a more true metric because when you need to go to the hospital, you need to go to the hospital. And I think everybody gets that. So when you start to see this escalation of hospital visits, so you, I have a friend named Jim that just got out of the hospital, and I followed his journey on Facebook. That was amazing to watch. But so um, hospital visits increase dramatically, and then they begin to stabilize, and uh, that's what we're seeing right now. It's like we're we're still seeing hospital visits, but they are not on a trajectory that's going up. So they're. People are coming in, people are going out, and they've kept it below that line where they have enough hospital rooms. And so as we begin to see the apex of an increase and then it'll begin to go down, that's the byproduct of people sheltering in place, not being out there. It is eerie. Uh, you know, we are allowed to go outside and exercise. It is eerie to walk around the streets of Seattle like I did yesterday and have zero cars. Like you could literally walk at lunchtime down First Avenue in the middle of the street and it would not be a problem. There's just nobody out there. So that is eerie to watch. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm encouraged by the numbers that we're seeing in terms of when you just look at you, when you zoom out, when you're not talking about one specific life, but just, just the raw info uh, where we're seeing the numbers go down week over week. Yeah, and I want to talk seriously about this because, again, uh, people that felt like Washington was a, a death zone three weeks ago are now saying maybe this is where I, sh- I should escape to because it seems more of a health zone. Uh, when you read that area hospitals so the governor decided to take uh, 40 ventilators and send those to another state that might need those more. But then you look, okay, this was from the federal stash pile and these ventilators don't work uh, for people that have COVID-19, you're like, okay, for whatever reason, we have this stash of ventilators, and now we're finding out when they, we need these ventilators that these ventilators uh, don't work. So it's not that it's over here, ship off all the ventilators, we're done, we got it handled in Washington State. But it does seem, it does seem, when you talk about the Seattle freeze, it does seem like this city in the Pacific Northwest that we were built for social distancing. I have some friends, honestly, uh, where their lives have not changed much because they're entrepreneurs. They work mostly from home and from their car. They love the fact when they go out and they're driving around, there's no traffic. You talk to a truck driver right now. It is a truck driver's paradise. It is, totally. Uh, yeah, and, and, and we were all cussing at 18-wheelers for the past couple decades, and now we're kissing the ring of the 18-wheeler because they're, they're, they are keeping us, along with Amazon and a lot of uh, distribution companies out there and delivery services, 
they're making sure that we have the things we need uh, as we head into a future uh, that we aren't totally uh, prepared for. So, uh, Ron, talk about this a little bit. Uh, when you and I, um, in fact, I think we'll come back and talk about this. When Ron and I have not talked about a storm that happened 15 years ago in New Orleans very much. Uh, and even know that we were in New Orleans when this happened, because uh, I don't think it's fair uh, to compare something that happened 15 years ago to what's happening now and to what we're facing now. I do want to say this, though. I do want to say this, that forever in a lifetime, when you go back to the Gulf South or you talk to somebody who lived through that storm, Katrina, 15 years ago, they don't say Katrina. They say, were you there before the storm or after the storm? Before and after. They never even bring up the name of the storm. I think as we head into the future collectively together as humankind, I think we will begin to have those conversations. Our future selves will. It will be before the virus or before the 19 and after the virus and after the 19. Let's do this. When we come back, um, once you kind of get beyond the fear, because there's still just so much fear, you guys, so much fear. But once you get beyond the fear and you accept a new normal, whatever the new normal looks like, and you see your life on the other side of the 19 or the virus or living with this virus, there are some real opportunities, I think, for yourself, uh, for your family, and for your community to really do something spectacular uh, with your life as a result of this and to really reframe what you want to do, what I want to do, what we want to do collectively for the rest of the minutes and moments that we have until we uh, pass things off to our kids. Ron, real quick, though, before we go to break, I want to ask you, Washington State, we were kind of built for social distancing. I feel bad for people in the South right now where this thing is really ravaging places like New Orleans because down there, when you get with your mom and them and your cousin, them, them, over there, you, you hug, you embrace, you kiss not on one cheek, you kiss on two, uh, you go to events. We look at Mardi Gras right now, which it seems like Mardi Gras had a lot to do with the spreading of this virus. It's really hard for people in the South not to touch each other, but here in the Northwest, ah, we're a little used to it, right? Well, the, the Seattle freeze thing is there. I, I feel badly for folks that may not be getting their information from reliable sources and go, of course I'm going to Easter at my mega church because that's the biggest day of the year for us. I don't know if you saw the story of the Florida pastor that got arrested for like, yeah, we're still doing church. It's like, no, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not still doing church. So, like, yes, you're right. If some people, if they're just doing their day-to-day lives and maybe they're in a position where they were already working from home or they had a small business where they didn't really get out in, into the world a lot, then they're going, yeah, of course I'm going to go to church. Of course I'm going to go to these social events. Of course I'm going to Mardi Gras. And then you see the the pandemic just explode. I, I do feel bad with that because you, you kind of almost have to – um, be vigilant about the information you're getting because even stuff from official sources sometimes is not accurate. And you'll see two different messages from an official source where it's like, wait a minute, CDC said this, 
And I saw a, a press briefing that said that. Who am I supposed to believe? So that's very confusing if you're not keeping on top of it. And, and I think all parts of the country, but especially because the social norms are different as you move from place to place, you're, you're absolutely right on that. Okay. Well, we come back. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fear that we're facing. And when you push that fear aside, the space that it provides to be extraordinary uh, during a time like this. Uh, And there are also a lot of people out there, not a lot, but some that will choose to be selfish jackwagons. So we have certainly seen that too. Every morning I wake up, I have a business partner that sends me something. And in the byline, it says, attack, attack, attack. Every day. He sent it to me this morning. I will tell you why we are attacking. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs> 